I thank God for all who have led us in worship today. We are continuing a sermon series called Galatians Afresh. We're seeking to take a fresh look at Paul's ancient epistle to the Galatians. And today we're going to look at Galatians 5 verses 2 through 6. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. And the title of the sermon is, The Only Thing That Counts. Listen, I, Paul, am telling you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Once again, I testify to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obliged to obey the entire law. You who want to be justified by the law have cut yourselves off from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word, help them to hear your word, and Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Six years ago, my daughter Maggie and I attended a community event in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, where we lived. As we walked around among the crowds, I noticed a reporter from the local news in the distance, and I immediately ducked for cover. Since I was the pastor of the First Baptist Church in town, and she covered religion stories among other things, she would often ask me for a quotation that she could use in her articles. She always did a good job, but I don't like being interviewed and recorded on the spot. I prefer to write out my thoughts and send in an email. That way, I am more likely to say things the way I want to say them, and it's less likely that something I say gets taken out of context. But alas, she spotted me across the way, and here she came with recorder in hand. Pastor, pastor, as a Christian minister, why are you here today at this event? I said, can I send you an email in the morning? <laughs> she said, no, pastor, I really need something now. Please, why are you here? Because I knew her a bit, I gave in and made a few spontaneous remarks that were not as clear or as compelling as I would have hoped. I wish I would have thought about the first six verses of Galatians 5. It's not a famous passage, but it should be. It's not often quoted, but it should be. It's completely left out of the Revised Common Lectionary, a three-year cycle of scripture readings used by many churches. But it shouldn't be. 
Not only does this passage mark a key moment in Galatians, but it's foundational for Christian conviction and conduct. Paul is addressing a situation in which misguided teachers were leading the Galatians astray. They were requiring Gentile Christians, the non-Jewish people who believed in Christ, to be circumcised like the Jewish Christians were. But Paul warns them, if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no benefit to you. You see, for Gentiles to be circumcised would be for them to embrace the Old Testament law as the standard of righteousness. Yet Paul had already explained in Galatians 2 that due to Christ's death on the cross for us, we are made righteous by faith in Christ alone. The grace of God offered through Christ on our behalf is what makes us righteous in God's sight, not any works we do in accordance with the Old Testament law, such as circumcision. For Gentiles to undergo circumcision then would be for them to place confidence in the law. And to place confidence in the law would imply deficiency in Christ. And to imply deficiency in Christ would be to lack faith in Christ. And to lack faith in Christ would be to nullify the grace that God had extended through Christ. This was a new perspective on circumcision to be sure. Because circumcision had been the mark of God's people for centuries. According to Bible scholar Brad Braxton, Circumcision was a sign of the covenant between God and Israel and a sign of membership in the people of God. It all traces to Genesis 17 where God said to Abraham, This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you should be circumcised. Not only did this outward mark of circumcision confirm membership in the people of Israel, it also set Jews apart from Gentiles. So if circumcision is no longer the distinguishing mark of God's people, what is? Is it being dressed up during the Sunday lunch hour at the restaurant? <laughs> is it listening to Christian music? What is the mark of God's people? Is it wearing a cross? Is it attending Bible studies or small groups? What is the mark of God's people? Is it going to services on Christmas and Easter? Is it reading Christian books? What is the mark of God's people? Paul explains in Galatians 5 verse 6. In Christ Jesus... Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. This is the single most underrated verse in all of Paul's epistles. I urge you to underline it, put a star beside it, highlight it, write it down, memorize it, or stick it on your fridge. In this verse, 
Paul summarizes Christianity. Bible scholar Ernest DeWitt Burton wrote, For the disclosure of the apostles' fundamental idea of the nature of religion, there is no more important sentence in the whole epistle, if indeed in any of Paul's epistles. Faith is Paul's doctrine. Love is his ethic. Faith is the inner disposition. Love is the outer expression. Faith is the posture toward God. Love is the posture toward people. This passage can help us keep our head on straight amid a complex world of constant change. This passage can help us to stay focused when multitudes of ancillary concerns clamor for our attention. This passage can keep our eye on the ball so that our witness doesn't strike out. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. The distinguishing mark of God's people is not the physical mark of circumcision, but the moral activity of love. Turns out that the faith which justifies us before God expresses itself in love for people. According to Paul, the faith that justifies is a faith that loves. Love is not a prerequisite for justifying faith, but an expression of justifying faith. Faith and love cannot be separated. Uh, one Bible scholar says faith is the root and love is the fruit. We might say uh, faith is the sun and love is the warm light that it projects. The inseparability of faith and love is evident in 1 Corinthians 13 where Paul famously says, If I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. This is Paul's version of James 2.17. Faith without works is dead. Except uh, Paul says faith without love is dead. Nothing. Faith without love is nothing justifying, nor is it justifiable. To be clear, love is not a qualification for faith, but a quality of faith. When we leave church each weekend, the only thing that authenticates our Sunday worship is our love for other people. In his remarkable book entitled Just Mercy, attorney and activist Brian Stevenson tells a story about leaving church one Sunday when he was 10 years old. He was outside the church with his friends, and one of them had brought a visiting relative to the service. The kid was shy and skinny and clinging nervously to his cousin. When Stevenson asked him where he was from, the little boy stumbled terribly with his words. He had a speech impediment so severe that he could not pronounce the name of the place where he lived. 
Stevenson thought the kid must have been joking or messing around, so he started laughing hysterically at him. As he continued laughing at the kid, Stevenson noticed his mother was staring him down. She angrily called him over. What are you doing? His mother asked. Don't you ever laugh at someone because they can't get their words out right. Don't you ever do that. I'm sorry, Stevenson said. Now, said his mother, I want you to go back over there and tell that little boy you're sorry. Then I want you to give him a hug. Huh? Stevenson said. Then I want you to tell him that you love him. Mom, he said, I can't tell that boy I love him. People will, but she cut him off by giving him that look again. So he walked over to the little boy and said, look, man, I'm sorry. Then he lunged in and gave him an awkward hug and felt the little boy hugging him back. Uh, Also, uh, I love you. Stephen said it as insincerely as he could get away with, but the boy hugged him even tighter and whispered flawlessly in his ear, I love you too. Coming out of church that day, Stevenson's mother was teaching him that the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Love was the very foundation of the Apostle Paul's faith. Love was the bedrock of Paul's theology. In Galatians 2.20, he said, The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Paul believed that the love of Christ is what prompted the grace he gave us when he died on the cross. Since Christ's faithfulness to God led him to love us by dying on the cross, our faith in God likewise leads us to love others. Although we are justified by faith alone, justifying faith works through love. It's not an ethical suggestion. It's a theological declaration. Faith works through love. It just does. The Greek verb translated works is related to our English word energy. Faith energizes love. Faith animates love. Faith invigorates love. Faith activates love. It's not a theory. It's a truism. It's not a hypothesis. It's the reality of genuine Christianity. We don't love so that we can be counted righteous before God. We love because Christ, by his love, has made us righteous before God. Any faith that does not love simply is not faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as Christ is the manifestation of God... Love is the manifestation of faith. It reminds me of a woman named Antonia Brenner who was born and raised amid all the wealth and privilege of Beverly Hills. 
She then spent three decades raising seven children as a suburban mom in L.A. Through a series of events, she ended up relocating to Tijuana, Mexico. And in Tijuana, she chose to reside among the prisoners at La Mesa Prison for the purposes of carrying out Christian ministry. Mother Antonia, as she was known, helped to feed the inmates and clothe them. She influenced prison guards to stop beating them. She heard the confessions of violent criminals. She taught the importance of seeking God's forgiveness and the importance of extending forgiveness to others. She comforted inmates whose family members passed. She helped people get specialized medical care and life-changing surgeries. She read scripture to inmates and orchestrated Ash Wednesday observances for them. She even calmed a prison riot on one occasion. In their book about her entitled The Prison Angel, authors Mary Jordan and Kevin Sullivan report that inmates sometimes lied to Mother Antonia and sometimes stole from her, but she didn't let it get her down. She said, to hate people will not change anything. To love them will. Mother Antonia was showing that the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Too often we Christians get pulled into the vortex of power struggles, cultural clashes, or worldly rivalries, divisions among various social groups, and polarization within the broader society can provoke fear instead of faith and hostility instead of love. Just as the difference between the circumcised and the uncircumcised precipitated social enmity in the ancient world, Modern-day cultural differences, ethnic differences, economic differences, political differences, and religious differences threaten to decrease our faith in Christ and diminish our love for neighbor. Dear friends, this should not be, for Christ died on the cross in love for all people. Ephesians 5 says, live in love just as Christ loved you. First John 4 says, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. First Corinthians 16 says, do everything in love. Jesus himself said, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus himself said, love your enemies. Jesus himself said, all the people would know that we are his disciples by our Love, the love that faith expresses reaches beyond the parameters of Christian community into the wide array of humanity outside the faith. So Paul later instructs us in Galatians 6 to do good to all people. He says do good to all people. Which brings me back to the community event that my daughter Maggie and I attended in Tennessee several years ago. The reason we were there is because Maggie had made friends with a little girl named Senna at their elementary school. Then I 
had met Senna's dad, Abdu. Over time, our families got to know one another as Maggie went to Senna's birthday party and Abdu came to our home to meet with me. We learned that they were originally from Syria, that they are people of peace and goodwill, and that they are devout Muslims. Lamentably, in 2017, their place of worship, the Islamic Center of Murfreesboro, was hatefully desecrated. A couple of guys spray-painted cruel messages with explicit language all around the building and the property. They also draped their exterior door handles with bacon. All of this made Maggie's friend Senna very sad. It made a lot of people sad. When I heard that a community event had been planned in the Islamic Center parking lot so that the community could show support in the wake of such hate, I immediately felt led to go. I was a bit hesitant, but when I asked Maggie if she wanted to go, she immediately said yes. So off we went. As we walked around the parking lot amid the crowds, I was trying to lay low, but here came that reporter with recorder in hand asking me why I, as a Christian minister, had come to this event. I could have said, because my daughter is teaching me how to love my neighbor. I could have said, because Baptists like me believe in religious freedom for all people. But I spoke about how I believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and I seek to obey him and follow him, and he taught me to love my neighbor, so I was there to love my neighbor, and also our family had friends that worshiped there, so we wanted to come out and support them. Do you know what I wish I would have said? Do you know what I wish I would have told that reporter in that moment looking back? I'm here as a Christian minister because in Christ Jesus, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Amen.